Showtime. Welcome to the Empower You Radio Show. I just want to help. Where we empower you through education. You will believe in yourself. Eric Gann exposes you to the evidence-based truth with balanced clinical practice behind all things leadership, mindset, health, nutrition, and the healthcare profession of athletic training. Today is about the power of you. Here's your host, Eric Gann. Hi everyone, thank you for listening and welcome back to the show. Today I want to get into a nutritional topic. The topic are FODMAPs. A lot of times I get the question, what the flock are FODMAPs? To give you an example, you say, you know, you might have a meal and all of a sudden you start having a little tooth there and a little tooth there. I hear this next statement all the time also. Man, Eric, I just started to eat more healthy foods and I'm rooting and tooting all over the place. Everyone, almost every time, is so quick to blame it on the increase in lean animal protein intake. All the damn time. Chances are it has nothing to do with the protein. Guess what? You might actually have an issue with FODMAPs. What the flock are FODMAPs? First off, FODMAPs are short-chain carbohydrates that are rapidly fermented and can be poorly absorbed. They can cause inflammation, irritation, bloating, gas, diarrhea in the GI, and also the gut. Listen, these are no fun. FODMAPs, they draw water into the small intestine, cause bloating and inflammation. They then pass to the large intestine, where bacteria feed on the undigested carbs, and this is what causes the gas. So let's take a quick talk about the small intestine. Remember, it's approximately 20 feet long, and then the large intestine is about 5 feet long. So this is a lot of real estate in our torso. This is a lot of places that we can have some issues. And when your large intestine and small intestine are off or inflamed, you better believe that you're going to be able to feel that bloating. So FODMAPs, they're, di- they're broken down into the F stands for fermentable, the O stands for oligosaccharides, the D stands for disaccharides, M, monosaccharides, A is just for and, and P are your polys. Now, let's get into each area. So fermentable, what does that mean? Short-chain carbohydrates and sugar alcohols that are poorly absorbed by the body, and then they result in abdominal pain and bloating, i.e. gas and diarrhea. Gas is produced by bacteria breaking down the sugars that don't get digested, either good or bad, And then remembering that some gas is normal to digestion, but it should not cause excessive bloating. So there is the F portion of our FODMAPs. It's a fermentable aspect. Oligosaccharides, these are your carbohydrates that are fructans, sometimes used with the acronym FOS, and galactosaccharides, sometimes used GOS. And I'll probably use those throughout this talk just to use short term. They're mainly found in wheat, rye, onions, garlic, legumes, and lentils. So how many times have you had a meal 
And you may blame it on something like the sausages or, um, again, the animal protein where you just felt kind of overloaded and bloated when it could really be coming from the onions and the garlic in that meal or the legumes or the lentils or maybe even the wheat and the rye if you had bread. Some oligosaccharides are good in moderation to help support good gut bacteria. So again, this is moderation. Other food sources you want to be careful of are broccoli and raw beets. These are two areas that people might not recognize that they're actually getting some FOS and GOSs into their system. Another one are cashews. Cashews, if you go over 10 nuts, you're probably going to, you could potentially have issues with GOS or FOS. Okay, so our fructans or our galactosaccharides. Now, almonds, a tree nut, also can be troublesome with GOS. So you want to make sure that you keep those around 10 nuts. The interesting part is, is that almond milk is okay. So the processing of almond milk keeps things um, low on the FODMAP diet and the FODMAP spectrum. Almond butter though, keep it to around one tablespoon. Again, you go over one tablespoon and you're going to have some GOS issues. Okay, so those are our galactosaccharides. These are just a few foods you want to keep in mind with our oligosaccharides and the O portion on our FODMAPs. Next, we move into disaccharides. So this is talking about our lactose. So anything coming from a cow or cow product and even goat, okay? So we need to be careful of goat products as well. So we need the enzyme lactase to digest lactose. And again, these are all found in milk and milk products and also yogurt. On a post on Instagram I had one time discussing FODMAPs, a comment that I had was, hey, why don't you just have some yogurt? That'll fix your gut. Well, if you are sensitive to FODMAPs, then having the disaccharide of lactose is definitely not going to help you out. It's just going to make you maybe even a little bit worse. So our lactose is something we want to stay away from if we're actually following a FODMAP diet. Monosaccharides is where we get to fruit. Sometimes, you know, the the fruit, the sugar and fruits, not sometimes, but all the time is known as fructose. So you can get this in your fruits and also your honey. Interesting part, as I was looking into the research on monosaccharides and fructose, A protein transporter known as GLUT5 is a protein transporter that is needed to carry fructose across the gut wall. Now, the interesting part about all this research was that as obesity increased, the ability to digest and the showing up or the representation of protein transporter GLUT5 was actually lower. So this is a thing that kind of tells us that as obesity rises, the gut becomes less tolerable and a little less robust in terms of the type of foods that it can tolerate and digest for you. Another thing to think about is 30% of humans cannot digest fructose well, and this goes up, like I said, with obesity. We should also think about keeping our fructose ingestion to around 25 grams per day. 
Some examples are 13 grams are in an apple. On the high note, 30 grams are in a can of Coke. And you're going to get it that high because you're going to have high fructose corn syrup. So that's going to get you really high numbers of fructose. The flip side of it is when you eat that apple, you're getting a lot of fiber and, and other nutrients related to that apple. So it can be helpful in terms of digestion. And then the other thing we want to talk about is being careful with honey. So one teaspoon of honey, if you're sensitive to fructose, will go ahead and stimulate your gut and give you the old bloating and possibly diarrhea issues. When we look at the P of FODMAPs, these are our sugar alcohols, both natural and artificial. So sugar alcohols occur naturally in a lot of foods, and you can find them in the form of sorbitol and mannitol. You can also get these artificially, so they can break down certain foods, and labs can break down foods and, and produce sorbitol and mannitol. And then they, all of the other artificial sweeteners that you have out there that can actually cause some problems to your gut. The only artificial sweetener, um, and it's a natural sweetener, is stevia. Stevia is the only one of these uh, sugar alcohols that don't generally aggravate people with FODMAP issues. So let's get back to our polys. In most people, they are incompletely absorbed in the small intestine. You can find them naturally in sweet potatoes. Around a half a cup is what's generally tolerable. You can find them in coconut, so two-thirds of a cup or three ounces of liquid, so two-thirds of a cup of shredded coconut, which is a pretty good amount. But then when we look at condensing it down into coconut milk or water, three ounces is all you can really tolerate, and that's not a whole ton before these polys are going to start messing with your gut. Avocados are another one. So about an eighth of an avocado, or if you measure it out to 1.06 ounces, is okay. Now, we have to remember that the FODMAP diet is not a forever diet. It's used to identify stomach and gut GI triggers. It's also used to kill off SIBO, so that's small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. And it's also used to decrease GI inflammation. Now, when we use the FODMAP diet, we want to look to follow the elimination phase. I usually recommend for about four weeks. We want to decrease inflammation and give the gut chance to heal. And this is what you'll get in about four weeks. After four weeks, we're going to pick a food and begin to reintroduce it. You may notice you tolerate a certain size of food, and that's good. Finding the right amount is what this is all about. But remember in the beginning, less is always better. We always want to think of moderation. If it's a no-go, you're going to notice it within a few hours right after you eat the food, and it's going to be a trigger. So I'd say, say maybe you have like a morning shake and you add a particular food into it. By, say, that's at 8 a.m. By 12 or 1 o'clock in the afternoon, you're probably going to have a really great idea if there's something in there that was just not tolerable for you. And if you find that it's not tolerable, it's easy. You just don't eat it. Now, we've talked a lot about foods that 
you know, may cause irritation, but there's tons of foods that are absolutely green lights on a FODMAP diet. When we follow the FODMAP, there's, when I, if I take a step back, we tend to use red light, yellow light, and green light in terms of using foods. And I should say that not all of this information is coming from me. It comes from research, it comes from literature, and it comes from information put out there by Monash University. It's a university in Australia, and they are the leading researchers in terms of FODMAP nutrition and irritable bowel syndrome and nutrition to decrease IBS and FODMAP problems. Now, let's get back to those green light foods. Green light foods are all of your animal proteins, all your meats, and these are unmarinated, so nothing has been added to them yet. They are all green light. They should not cause any type of FODMAP issue, okay? Now, another thing to look into is that all kales, butter lettuces, iceberg lettuce, Swiss chard of all colors are green and they're good to go on your FODMAP diet. Other things that are great are carrots, parsnips, radishes, rutabagas. They're all great. I'm going to go through a whole list of foods here. Potatoes are good. Corn is good. Rice is good. Spaghetti squash is good. Tomatoes are good. Okay, so tomatoes get a lot of flack because they are go ahead and added to an inflammatory diet. When in actuality, they don't tend to cause irritation or inflammation in the gut. So they are okay to eat on a FODMAP diet. Quinoa is good. That's a great carbohydrate. Peanuts and peanut butter are good. Aged cheese and butter are okay. White and wheat sourdough bread are okay. So these two paired together, I'm glad that they're like this on the list because it allows me to expand a little bit. If we look at these two, you might say, well, aged cheese, that's a cow product. And then Really, white and wheat sourdough bread? That, you just said, was a problem um, with our O aspect. So we have an O and a D here that you just said are an issue, but they're actually not. And let me explain to you why. When we get into aged cheeses and also butter, the process of aging that cheese, so the fermentation that happens in the cheese the bacteria that is produced and the funguses that are produced in that aged cheese, which are safe to eat, use the sugars to survive. And they break down the lactose in there so that it's able to be digested for people with FODMAP issues. When we look at white and wheat sourdough bread, the process of fermentation, the exact same thing, that happen with the aged cheese happens in the wheat as well. And it makes it more digestible and tolerable to people with FODMAP issues. Now, we're not talking about gluten intolerances here. Gluten is something totally different. And then if we talk about food sensitivities, that's something totally different as well. We're only talking about FODMAP issues here. So with the process of fermentation, so this is good fermentation. I know we talked about 
fermentation early on, the first F of FODMAPs, that's the fermentation that happens inside your gut. Okay, so that's that's those those bad and good bacteria is feasting off of uh, your your undigested carbs and causing problems. When we talk about these, these are the fermenting process that actually happens in the food that helps with us to be able to digest the food. Now, moving on towards our list some more, we have wine, beer, and most hard booze. That's all not going to cause any type of FODMAP issue. Most of your oils, olive, coconut, and avocado are going to be good to go. From a personal aspect, coconut and avocado don't do well with me in any way. So I tend to just stick with olive oil and then also I mentioned butter as like fats that I'll use for cooking and eating. So that's just me because I've gotten to know my nutrition. Now, when we look at old-fashioned oats, they're pretty good. And clementines, grapes, navel, oranges, plantains, and strawberries, they're all good. When we look at uh, some of our supplements, whey protein isolate and casein, those are generally a green light as well. When we look at sweeteners, we can have pure organic cane sugar, so that's not going to be a problem. We can have maple syrup. And then we can also have stevia. Guys, so I hope this talk on FODMAPs has really helped kind of clarify where FODMAPs come from, when it should be potentially used, how it can be used. And then it's also just a short-term diet to help figure out what's going on with your gut. By no means is this something because of some of the drastic levels of elimination that can happen. Is this something that you're going to live buy for your whole life. A perfect example is for myself, I used the FODMAP diet because I had a a SIBO, so a small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. And when I came back after elimination period, which was a little bit longer for me because we had to do some SIBO um, kill-off, which is small intestinal bacterial overgrowth kill-off, so we got rid of some bad bacteria that we didn't want. And again, this was also with the the, the observation and, and the collaboration of a physician. So I was not doing this on my own. We had some testing done that determined that I had some bad bacteria in my gut. And then the decision to go on to a FODMAP led to me eliminating and then also killing off of that SIBO in my um, intestine. So... When I came back and reintroduced foods, I came back to broccoli and I found that just a a serving of broccoli is okay for me. When in the past I was eating a serving of broccoli sometimes three, four times a day, then I was also including uh, sweet potatoes. Then I was also having coconut. So I was compacting all all of these FODMAPs on top of each other and then that it ended up causing some issues, obviously, and then we got that squared away with a physician. Now, there's a perfect example of what a healthy kind of gut cleanse is. It's you had some pre-testing done, you determined that you needed to have some balance in your gut microbiome. You're guided by a physician and then a professional which was me in this case guided my I guided myself through the FODMAP diet. And the one reason I guided myself is because there wasn't a, there's not a whole lot out there, and 
it wasn't really accurate until I did the research and found Monash University. And it was extremely helpful. And they have an app that you can use that's really, really helpful to help guide you through this process. So when I came back in, like I said, I was able to eat the broccoli. The broccoli was okay, but I found just a, a serving of broccoli is okay. And there's a lot of other foods that you'll find that will be like that. You'll be able to tolerate tolerate them once a day, but you might not be able to tolerate them twice a day or three times a day. So this is the key, moderation. So moderating those foods throughout your day, rotating throughout the day. Now, when it comes to the next day, I can repeat just fine what I had for breakfast the next day again for breakfast. There's enough time in there with digestion and the food and how things have reacted in my gut that I can go ahead and have it again the next day. So if you think about meal planning, because that's very popular these days in nutrient timing, plan your days out and you can most certainly repeat those meals on the next day. So if you have a particular breakfast that's really easy for you to make up um, throughout the day, throughout the week, and you like to have it on your work week, then you can go ahead and you can have that. But again, see how you tolerate it. Maybe you need to have a rotation, maybe one or two days. So it all depends. Nutrition is so individual, guys. And this FODMAP diet is just another tool to help individualize your nutrition to you and figure out what helps to nourish your body and what you need as an individual. We can't have cookie cutter programs. And unfortunately, a lot of people don't want to put in the work that is needed to understand what's happening with our body and our gut. And when we when you do put in the work and you have your mind connected to your GI and you figure these triggers out, it is so damn rewarding. Man, it feels so good to feel so good every day. It's like that old saying, I'm so sick and tired of feeling sick and tired. So it kind of get to that point when people will go ahead and start to dial this all in, and then they start having really great results. Listen, guys, that's all I've got for today on FODMAPs and this nutritional topic. So you've been listening to the Empower You radio show. Please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us, meaning myself, Eric Ann, and Artemis Scandalides, at EmpowerYouOnlineCoaching.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at EmpowerYouOnlineCoaching. And on Instagram, please go ahead and follow at EmpowerYou underscore radio show, where you'll get all of the updates and links to the latest radio shows. Thanks, guys, and I'll see you again soon.